0: This is Alex. I'm
1: from Boston.
0: Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chelsea. Hello, and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea. Guys, things seem to be going from bad to worse. I didn't want to open the podcast this way, but it has been a painful few days Rahul, we welcome you back to the podcast last time. Alex and I had a good time chatting about us beating Southampton 3 nailed. We couldn't possibly lose this game. I gave Alex some fantastic stats about how Southampton had scored or not won a game or lost a game or something funny like that. And Alex said, it would be very Chelsea of us to do charity. And indeed, charity was there. But Rahul, I'll come to you, your thoughts, and we'll break down the game in a few minutes.
2: And, and I do have to say, I did listen to the last episode, and uh, well I think it was 28 games without keeping a clean sheet. I and mean, then yeah. Alex said, you know, <laughs> Chelsea would probably make that come true, which did, didn't turn into 29 because they did keep a clean sheet. And uh, we laugh about it, but it's it's funny because it's so true <laughs> that Chelsea, whenever we come around, and we come around with strikers, teams, Anyone that's struggling, we just tend to to give them the charity and make them feel better about themselves. Uh, and in this case, maybe even give an interim boss uh, his one and only probably game that he'll have in charge of Southampton, a, a big, big win. So uh, not trying to be too negative up front, but it is what it is.
0: It, it may get negative a little bit later on, but Alex, I'll come to you for your raw emotions to start off
1: with. Man, I mean, it was it was disappointing. Um, I was just hoping to get anything out of the game at this point, a draw wouldn't have even been the (laughs) end of the world. Um, and yet at the same time, I can't help but feel that we just keep getting unlucky and sometimes stuff doesn't break your way because yeah, I mean, it was, it was not a convincing performance, but at the same time you had two goal line clearances off headers in the second half from Raheem Sterling who almost scored and, it's just not our season, and that's okay. I think we accepted going in it was going to be a tumultuous season, and now it becomes a different question of how do we want to proceed now to set ourselves up for success next season, having pretty much accepted that things aren't just falling into place. But at a certain point, I just look at it and chuckle and say, you know what, we've had a great few years. We've barely gone trophyless as far as I've been alive. I mean, Chelsea <laughs> has had a fantastic 21st century and now and then sometimes you need a little bit of an off year to get that hunger back, get that desire back, get the players rested up. Maybe you need to miss out on the Champions League one year and then storm to a Premier League victory as a result. Who knows? We've 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 seen that kind of thing work for us before. So at the end of the day, I'm going to try to focus on the positives, which is hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel, but who knows what the tunnel is going to look like.
0: And I think both of you mentioned we're chuckling and laughing and making positive of a negative situation. I think that's all we can do at this point. I don't know how much lower it gets from here because we basically lost to the lowest team in the Premier League. And that's something that's hard to swallow as Chelsea fans, given the nature of everything that's going on and the amount of change, amount of players. But right, like you said, Rahul, I'll quote from you, it is what it is. But let's go and run through the starting 11 and then we'll talk a little bit more about the first half and the second half. But Kepa and goal, I think we knew that was going to happen. Aspilicueta comes in. Interesting change because Reese James was looking good in the Dortmund game. Koulibaly keeps his place. Silva doesn't come back in. Badia Shield, fantastic in the Premier League. I think we expected him to come in. Ben Chilwell, refreshing to see him at left back. It's just been more stable than ever to have him back there. A midfield pivot of Enzo Fernandez and Kovacic coming in to make his appearance after several weeks out with injury and pairing with Fernandez for the first time. A three behind the striker of Marueke, Felix and Mount. Mount coming back into the... Field and then Fofana starting up top. A lot of Chelsea fans calling for a natural striker to be up top. Rahul, I'll come to you first. Overall thoughts on this 11 lots of change from Graham Potter, and we came from a Thomas Tuchel side who made very, very little change, even though we were in four competitions.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's something that I know we got to manage the minutes. We've got guys coming back from injury like Reece James. Uh, Tiago Silva as much as he would like to and we would like him to play every single game. I don't think uh, it is the right move, but I look at our next fixture which is a week from the Southampton game. I look at our last fixture which was Dortmund on Wednesday night uh, and this was a 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, so I'm asking the question is James that borderline in the sense that his minutes have to be managed this carefully at this part of the season, especially when we've got two competitions, not even, because top four is gone. Champions League is most likely going away. Uh, So at this point, what are we managing minutes for? Uh, And then you make three additional changes, and I think it was Fofana comes in. Okay, fine. Uh, Mason Mount comes in. Okay, fine. Kovacic has been injured. I know he's coming back, and all of a sudden you throw him into the lineup. And and look, these aren't the issues why we eventually lost the game, but... These are questions that have to come up because we ultimately did lose the game. And, and you look at it and you say, well, Connor Gallagher was playing uh, a few games before Loftus-Cheek was put in. He's fit, he was doing well, his minutes were managed if that's what it was. And he could have come back in and maybe Kovacic could have come back in uh, in the second half. So it's just little things that you wonder about. And of course, we're not there in the locker room or in the office uh, to find out what's going on, but. I don't know. Certain certain calls at this point, you wonder about because, like I said, our next game is a week away. The guys, from what we've heard now, had two days off between Southampton and in you know today and tomorrow. So, could they have played? Could Reece James have played at least an hour?
0: We'll never know. You know, you made a really good point there as to these changes are not the reason we're losing the game, but. I think some of these things probably add up as to why Chelsea are not so consistent at this point in time, whether it's maybe not the right training, not the right selection, mixing and matching the selection. Alex, I'll come to you for a minute because this is something that's been in my mind since we signed all of these players. We've got a squad of like 30 first-team players, and yes, I acknowledge several of them are injured, but now everybody seems to be coming back into fitness. Is it a case of now Graham Potter is kind of been dealt a bad card where he has to keep all these parties happy. And so he's like, you know what? I'll chop and change just so everybody gets to smile and say they had a game here. They had a game there. And evidently that's causing issues because you can't really pick a first team 11.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly Graham Potter, whether or not you think he should still be managing Chelsea or should going forward, you have to admit he's been dealt a kind of tough hand. Um, And I know a lot of Chelsea fans, myself included, thought Tuchel was sacked a bit preemptively, but Graham Potter can't help that. He was thrown in in the middle of a season with an already inconsistent squad who had been struggling to find consistent form, who had been struggling a little bit to uh, get those goals. And then he was given a lot of players and a lot of backing. But as you said, that's not always, especially when you don't have, say, a preseason to work with. And when you don't necessarily have a say in who the players are who are being brought in, because it seems now like Chelsea are moving a little further away from the idea of managers bringing in players who they want and are just saying, we're going to go out. Our scouts tell us these guys are good and the managers are going to work with them, which on the one hand you could say is a positive change because we know as Chelsea fans, there have been several instances we've had players stuck at Chelsea who a certain manager has wanted and the next one comes in and they lack game time and they're sitting there eating up wages. But that's not necessarily as easy for the managers who just see all these talents come in, who have high hopes, who want to play for the club, who expect minutes, and then you have to deal with them, plus all the veterans who think they deserve the minutes. It's not an easy situation, and I can empathize with Potter there, but man, it's, it's, it's a really, really tough call because the stakes are high when you have a situation this delicate with money this big being spent. And you just don't know. Would would changing the manager help, or would it end up adding more turmoil to a club that's already in a heavy, heavy transition phase?
0: It's it's a fair question and a fair argument overall. And I think we can discuss Graham Potter a little bit after the first and second half review. Rolo, I'll ask you a quick question before we go into the first half. Of the Southampton eleven, and maybe you don't know all of them, maybe you know some of them, how many of those make it into Chelsea's first eleven? You mean mm-
2: First
0: 11 for what? To play in Chelsea's first 11. How many are you plucking from Southampton on paper? Oh, Southampton, I'm not about front- none. Yeah. <laughs> none. And I think none. that's that's where I want to go ahead and open up the first half review there is that on paper, the golf in the class is clear. Chelsea should be winning this. But guys, the first half was not great. Southampton seemed to figure out a way to maybe dominate a little bit, find pockets of space, squeeze us through. And I think it's coming across as us looking like a disjointed team we have individual players out there that are absolutely fantastic, but the final pass or the right flick or the right cross is not coming across. Rahul, I'll come to you. I know we made changes in the second half and they seem to have come through, but is this just the guys getting to know each other or is this a coaching problem?
2: I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, right? And I I hear what Alex is saying. It's like, yes, I I also realize that Potter has a tough situation with 30 something squad players, but he's in a situation where he's got to get results. He's in a situation where he's got to win the fans over. He's in a situation where he's got to, yes, keep players happy, but players also stay happy if you're winning. And we saw that with under Antonio Conte when Fabregas wasn't playing. Yes, he was motivated. He did everything he had to in training, but the team was winning. So at that point, what is Fabregas going to get up and say, Conte, you need to put me into a winning squad? That's that's not how that would work. So. I get what Alex is saying, and I get the question you're asking me, too, is, yes, it's disjointed because we're going from game to game, and we're having three, four, in this case, five changes. And within that, there's Maduweke, who's new Felix, who's new Fofana, who's new Enzo, who's new Batashili, who's new. That's another five players that are new, so I I understand that. But as a manager, you've got to say, Southampton are coming to town. They've just fired their manager. They're going to have a new manager bounce Coming to Stanford Bridge is a big event for them. They're going to be fired up. They're going to press us high. They're going to put us into situations where we don't want to be. Let me play the guys that I know are going to get the job done. And we go to this game specifically. Let's get the three points. And then we worry about the future. Now, if Reese James gets injured in this game by starting, I'm maybe saying a different thing. <laughs> but if we win that game, Jackie and Alex, it's a whole different feeling than what it is right now, where I can't tell you a time where fans have asked for a manager to go this badly. Even Rafa Benitez, I know, was not a fan favorite. But certain groups were always out, Rafa out, Rafa out. And certain groups said, well, it's just till the end of the season. In this case, and I would, you know, between the three of us, I would like to hear where we stand. But in this case, it's like 95, 96, 97% of Chelsea fans you ask will say, he's got to go like yesterday.
0: Look, I don't know if it's 95%. And and I'll tell you why. I think the ones who are angry are always more vocal than the ones who are patient. And so without knowing all the facts, I can't say it that much. I will agree with you that it is probably the loudest and the most vocal I've ever seen for Chelsea fans in disagreement of a manager being there this long. And I don't know what that is and what long term is going to happen. Sounds like we're going to back him and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Alex, I talked about which of these 11 from the Southampton side will make it into Chelsea, first at first team 11? Rahul says none. I think you might say the same. Maybe James Ward-Prowse can squeeze in there. But the point I'm trying to make is that the golfing quality was so much, we can't seem to win a game. Chelsea fans call for change. And maybe this is where I'm kind of stirring the pot a little bit. He brings in a striker, a natural striker and Fofana to lead the line. People have criticized Kai Havertz. He got to sit on the bench a little bit. Fofana looked lively. Maybe that's something we can talk about for a few minutes and give him a little bit of credit there.
1: Yeah, I, I did think Fofana looked good. And that's why I was actually kind of surprised when he went off because I thought he had looked to be one of our more promising attackers thus far. I actually, it took me a minute to realize because I didn't watch the first few minutes of the game. I woke up a little bit late and got in midway through the first half. And so it took me a minute to realize he was our number nine. In theory, I guess maybe on paper, because he was all over the pitch. He yep. was on the the side. I saw him running down the left wing, linking up, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's some some dynamic attacking that we certainly could use." Um, I did think he looked good, and yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It's kind of it's a lose lose in this situation because on the one hand, you want the new players to perform, but then like. Chelsea fans had not had a chance to see Fafana play yet, really, in a meaningful capacity. And so he plays now, but but now what? He's got part of a game under his belt. And it's like, how do you judge these players based off such a short period of time? How do you judge what Potter or any other manager could turn these players into? It's a mess. I'm glad I'm not currently the Chelsea <laughs> manager. Maybe one day I will be um, if my, my FIFA managing record is is any evidence. No, look, all the points you're making is
0: is absolutely right. And I think this is where we as Chelsea fans are a little frustrated. Rahul, I saw you shaking your head. And so first half, quick r- wrap up there. We give away a cheap free kick. James Ward-Prowse, probably the best, if not one of the best in the world right now at free kicks. And you know with the distance, with the angle, it's like a 99% chance that he's going to score that. And so maybe, maybe something to be said about our team and, and lack of knowledge or lack of composure when you're looking at that and saying, Let's not foul here. We can foul a little bit further out. But look, that's what on the bridge Chelsea should be able to get out of this. Rahul, you were shaking your head about taking Fofana off at halftime. Like I said, he was very, very lively. Let's jump into that second half. A couple of changes there with Fofana coming off. Raheem Sterling coming in. I think Marueke went off. Uh, we had a couple other players come in. I looked that up here just in a second. But Fofana coming off, can you give me your thoughts on that one?
2: It's It's baffling because I think Alex touched on it. He may have had more of an influence uh, than any of the attacking players in that first half. And I know the first half, according to Potter, and, and, and we saw it too, wasn't the best half, and it ends with on a note where we concede. And so something was something needed to change in the second half, but I don't think Profano was the, the reason or the need to be changed because then you bring on Raheem Sterling, and you're looking at that squad and you're saying, there's no natural striker in there. Yes, Joe Felix can play up top and we've seen him do it, but he's usually done it with Kai Havertz. Uh, And so you take him off and you're saying, well, who's, who's the focal point of this team at that point? And, and that's where I was shaking my head was Fofana seemed to be doing well and and maybe throw Kai Havertz on there at halftime and pair them together and see what happens. Or, I mean, you're 1-0 down at that point, and you know what Southampton are going to do in that second half. You might as well just start that half with the intention of we're just going to go all out here because we know what the end is going to be if we lose this game, so we might as well just show everything we can here. So that was a little baffling to me, but again, I'm I'm also not the Chelsea manager and uh, may not have the best record as Alex does on FIFA, but uh, just so, a certain few decisions are baffling in the sense that you play Fofana, then you take him off when we're one, one nil down, and now you're thinking as a striker, well, these are the moments I live for where I can yeah. make a change and, and score a goal at Stanford Virgin and suddenly my confidence is through the roof. But now you're looking around and you're like, does the manager trust me? Was I doing the right things? Was I not doing the right things? And we don't know the communication that happened. And for all you know, Fofana maybe picked up a knock, but didn't hear that. So it's... It, was it a panic move? I, I I absolutely don't know. And the other sub, I think, Jackie, you were trying to say, was Koulibaly at halftime uh, for, for Wesley Fofana. Now, I know he's also coming back from injury, but was that because of the yellow card and he doesn't trust Koulibaly to maybe keep his composure? Or did he also think Koulibaly was an issue?
0: Do you know what? That one is, you say questionable changes or questionable subs. The other ones that came on were well, obviously Kai Havertz came on, I think, for Mason Mount, and Mudrik came on for Marueke, which. Makes sense to me you're trying to make a change you're bringing on different dynamics maybe mountain madaweke were not super duper effective for fafana one you've covered and i completely agree with you don't know why we would take off a natural striker and and go in with raheem sterling although we'll talk about sterling in a minute because he was brilliant when he came on alex i'll, I'll kind of bring that question to you with Kudabali because in changes that are going on we're losing one nail Kudabali, in my opinion was not horrible he's a standard center back playing along by shield, and they were doing okay Obviously, we were 1-0 down. It wasn't like either of them were atrocious. Is it a case of, back to the original question, where we have so many players, Graham is like, oh, the lad's coming back from injury. He could use some minutes in this game. Let's take Kulabali off and bring on the other Fofana and give him a few minutes. Or is there something more tactical, like Rahul is saying, where I don't trust him? And if that's the case, what is that saying to Kulabali and, and maybe the rest of the squad is like, no one's safe at this point. We can't really pick a first 11.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess the one thing I could say is Fafana does have decent link up play slash passing slash forward movement, I guess, as a, a defender. I thought when he got on the ball, he did pretty well at trying to progress us up the pitch. So maybe you could argue it was tactics there. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's it's like it's like It's just such a tough situation because it's like if you give Graham Potter all these new toys and you say, well, you've got to figure out how well each of them play. I mean, some of the ones coming back from injury, he's never seen play to him. they are new signings as well, essentially. I mean, a lot of the ones coming back, he's never managed in an actual game situation. So I don't think it's so much a lack of faith in any of these players, but I think it's just a difficult number. Of people as we've said who need minutes and maybe at the end of the day you just need to and maybe he will just buckle down and pick a starting 11 and say these are my guys I've got to start grinding out results um but I mean do Chelsea fans even even know who would be better between Fafana and Koulibaly I mean two different types of players one vastly experienced one young and promising it's yeah it's It's a good headache to have, I guess you could argue, that Chelsea does have this impressive depth and we're worrying about, oh, all these players getting minutes and how will they feel if they're benched. It's a good problem to have. We can't complain, but it is a problem when we're not having any cohesion on the pitch.
0: And we're not getting results that we want at this point in time, which is, I think, the most important thing Chelsea fans are crying out for. Rahul, I'll come back to you and talk about the game overall. You and I have had many discussions over Raheem Sterling some of it being he's 28-29, was he the right signing? Maybe he was a Tuchel signing. He's had a couple of moments where he shined, a couple of moments where he's just looked out of it. For me in this particular game, he changed the whole game in the second half. He was extremely lively, had a lot of chances. I guess the biggest criticism about him in that second half is a player of that quality should put one, two, three, four of those chances away. He just happens to have so many and they never ended up in the net. But that seems to be the, the problem with Chelsea right now is no matter how many chances and who they are, they're not going in the net. What did you make of Raheem Sterling's performance? And do you think he has a big part to play under Graham Potter for now?
2: I mean, I, I thought it was okay. I know you felt differently, but I thought it was okay. And and maybe I was a little biased because I'm not the biggest Raheem Sterling fan, but uh, I thought it was okay. I do agree with you. I think some of those chances that he got should be being, but being put away. But... That's Raheem Sterling, though. I think even at City, he would miss the few chances here and there and then obviously go on and score. But uh, when you're playing for City and the chances are created every so often, uh, it's a little bit easier to kind of put them away and kind of forget about the other ones versus with Chelsea. I know we created quite a few, but Mm -hmm. maybe they fall to different players. And uh, at this point, I think we could... We could spend $600 million on on one player and still not buy a goal. So uh, I think Alex was talking about a curse. I think that curse is, is well and truly in place, and I don't know what we need to do. But it's it's sad because I was looking at it, and the last time we scored two in the Premier League was December 27th against Bournemouth, And before that was Aston Villa in October. Uh, so... Uh one goal is where it's at. So for you guys making predictions uh, for the next game with two, three goals, uh, I think we need to reconsider and just stick to maybe 1-0 or 1-1. One, one.
0: I think we need to start predicting maybe a couple of losses. And I hate to say that, but <laughs> it has been a tough time going forward. I want to talk about Graham Potter here, guys, in a minute and get some honest feedback from both of you, where you stand and where it goes. But before we go into that, I just want to say the knock that Aspilicueta had in the second half I thought was absolutely terrifying, at least for me as somebody watching on television. It was very loud, very, very scary how high the boot was. And I'm very thankful Aspilicueta is back home and fine. And at least he's reporting he's fine and he can continue from there. But what did you guys make of it, Alex? I'll come to you. Chelsea, at least in the last few weeks, maybe a month or so, we seem to have referees not giving us blatant cards or penalties or fouls. And in this case, Azpilicueta is actually hopping off the ground to get the ball in the air and he gets collided with the foot and not a red card, not dangerous play. VAR doesn't come in. I mean, the man sent to hospital and I, I get sometimes in a contact sport, things like this can happen, but that foot was pretty high in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like I've said, I just think nothing is going our way. I mean, you have from the officiating side, you've got those that handball call on Suchek that, you know, you've got opposition players playing goalkeeper. You've got people mistaking Azpilicueta's head for the ball. It's, its I don't know what more you can do. Um, it's, it's almost like, it's like it's a video game or something. It's just scripted. Everything goes against you here. And sometimes that just happens. I mean, in fairness, though, it's also, you, we can't totally lean on it as a crutch because Arsenal, for example, had that, that uh, I think, I forget exactly who it was, but the official who forgot to draw the offside line and, and cost them a goal um, and potentially three points. I mean, incompetence from referees, unfortunately, will always be around. And at the end of the day, when we're talking about it from a results perspective, I've said this before, you can complain about the refs all you want, but if you don't score a single goal in a game, that's you true. can't really make a case that you should have won. If we even had one goal and and they tied it up and it ended a tie game, we could say, "Oh, well, with better officials, maybe this and that." But if we can't create a single goal for ourselves and we can't keep a clean sheet against the last place team, I don't think we're in a position to blame anyone other than ourselves for that. So that's fair criticism and
0: on and the honest truth, it's just At some point, I think when it rains, it pours and Chelsea are feeling all the effects of everything going against us now. But let's lead into the Graham Potter discussion because I think that's going to take the bulk of the time on this segment. Rahul, I'll come back to you. We signed Graham Potter back in, I think it was September when we let Thomas Tuchel go. There was a lot of mixed emotion because Thomas Tuchel was one of those that was near and dear to a lot of Chelsea fans. He had won us the Champions League, the Club World Cup Cup. Those are trophies we had never got before. Controversially, on the other side, we were also under a, a bad patch of form. We were not scoring so many goals. The players seemed to be not motivated. There were murmurs of he doesn't communicate well with the ownership. And in comes Graham Potter. He is, I don't want to say touted as the next big thing, but he's hes kind of spoken upon highly as he's earned his way in football. He's managed players really well. He has this man management and emotional understanding degree or master's degree and so to build a team to communicate with the new american ownership to take time on a project but ultimately it went from the quickest new manager bounce i've ever seen to very very negative very quickly and we are here now and we started the segment with you saying 90 95 of the chelsea fans are upset or at least very very vo- vocal about it i think that's a good build up for you to now tell me your thoughts on graham potter should he stay? Should he go? What's what's going through your head?
2: If you would ask me this at full time yesterday, my emotions, my feelings, uh, and honestly, my composure would have been a lot different because I was a hundred percent. And I'm not saying it changed quite a bit, but I was hundred mm-hmm. percent. This he's got to go. Uh, since then, obviously, you know, listening to what he said, listening to the club again, stating through through journalists and and media that they still back him. Uh, I've not changed my mind, but I'm trying to think of it a little bit more carefully in the sense that, okay, he's saying, I think he came out and said, well, if most fans think I'm the problem, I would disagree with that. And and then you start to think about it and you say, well, of course he's going to say that, but what does he really mean by that? And I think, I think back to Tukel and okay, he was over the summer uh, talking about, you know, we still have the same players we have uh, the results that are we're getting over even just preseason isn't fully down to me. We have the same players. There's a lot of things going on in the background with the new ownership. And so you peel back the layer a little bit more and you say, well, okay, let's think about it. Voli, Bali, Clear Lake came in, in in June, essentially. Since then, we've brought in players. We've brought in staff. We've had a managerial change. We've brought in... Staff above Graham Potter, we've brought in staff that, you know, replaces Petr Cech, Marina, uh, Bruce Buck. And all of a sudden you're thinking about it and you're saying, there's a lot of change that's happened in the last six to nine months, right? Um, and, of course, Graham Potter is the face of it. We get to see him on the sidelines. We get obviously see Boley and, and the guys in the stands. But really in the day-to-day, that's all we see is Potter and his group. And we say, well, the blame really lies on them and, and what they do. Uh, and I'm not saying he, Graham Potter, escapes all the blame here because you pick the team, you pick the tactics, you pick the players, you pick, you know, the way we play. And to a certain extent, I know that he can't go on and score the goals, but the chances are being created and we're not getting the goals. But, I mean, I look at the players, Jackie and Alex, and, and I saw a clip this this afternoon on Twitter where, you know, when the boys are coming out of the tunnel for the game or for the warm-up and asked Lequette, I was like, all right, boys, let's go, let's go. Uh, after him guys, everyone's kind of just like low energy. There's no passion. You're coming out of Sanford Bridge and everyone's like, all right, I'm just going to walk out and stroll out. And I mean, you and I saw more passion in preseason when they were uh, going out to the pitch to warm up. So I feel like something's not right. Something's not working together behind the scenes and and yes we're seeing the result on the pitch but the bigger question is even if potter goes right and then i i would support that if, if that's what the club decides but even if he goes and the next man comes in or someone comes in until the end of the season all these issues are still going to be there where we need more of a time to settle the club down we need more of a time to settle the player and the squad down and and None of that is going to change, and we may get another managerial bounce, and we may finish, I don't know, 6th, 7th, 8th, or even ninth. Uh, but do we just have to, as fans, stick it out now over the next three months, take these results on the chin, take these results and and kind of sit with it for a little bit in hopes that it gets better because it, it can't get any more worse than it is right now, but in hopes that it gets better because, I mean – rim potter it has shown that he can do a job he can you know get get players and get people to perform it's just not working right now and i think everything just kind of falls on his plate and maybe he's defeated i, I don't know he just doesn't seem like he may be exhausted and tired and I, I don't know i don't have the answer uh i would support him being fired but i i don't like saying that because i don't want someone to lose their job but uh, he's on 12 million pounds a year. So that's 60 million pounds over five years. So if he goes, I mean, that's another big piece of change that will be going out the, out the door. So I, I have no idea. It's, it's a very sticky and tough situation. But again, yesterday at full time, I think I texted you, Jackie. I was like, he's he's got to go. But uh, I think about it a little bit more, and maybe we just have to kind of bear with it at this point.
0: Think about what's causing some of those back ground, backdoor, back of staff issues, because I want to come back to you and see if there's anything we can discuss there. But Alex, you and I in the last episode poked a lot of fun about let's massage Pep Guardiola's head and bring him over to Chelsea. And look, let's go for the third dance with the special one, Jose Mourinho. The Premier Chelsea has put on a couple of jokes about even John Terry can come back and motivate this team a little better. But in your heart, logically, what does Chelsea have to do with Graham Potter? What's the situation there? What are your feelings as a fan and, you know, what, what can we do going forward to get better?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough because as Rahul said, a lot of these issues, you could put some blame on the manager, but you also have to consider the broader context and whether a new manager would be able to get long-term results. I mean, I almost feel like they need to, oh, I I don't know, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what I want at this point. I want Chelsea to win games, let's be honest. But more than that, I've kind of accepted that this season is a write-off. So I suppose what I really want is I either want to see Chelsea start coming together, and I don't really care where we finish. If we finish 10th, so be it. Who cares? We'll we'll endure a little bit of teasing, and then we'll go win more trophies. But I think I'm going to be judging Potter, assuming he's not sacked, Um, on how he plays from here to the rest of the season, looking at the players, their energy level, their motivation, because at a certain point, I do think the right manager can motivate a group of players. I mean, you can't really tell me that if Jose Mourinho walked into the club right now, the players wouldn't have a little bit of an extra spring in their step. You can't really tell me that if Guardiola walked through the doors at Stanford bridge, those players wouldn't just be snapping up a level. And saying, Okay, we got to take things seriously. I think there is an air of authority. And I understand I've seen those those conferences of Potter getting angry with journalists who say, Oh, you're not emotional enough, you're not expressive enough. And he's just like, just because I'm not with you doesn't mean I never express my emotions. But I do think there's a degree to which maybe some bigger name managers, managers who have more experience with high profile star players, or even just managers who have a ton of experience building teams. Um, I don't know, I don't know, I struggle to, I don't wanna think that I know any better than the board does, and at the moment, let's be real, the board has given us a crap load of money, they've been the best possible replacement owners we could ask for coming from Abramovich, who Abramovich gave up everything to, gave up Chelsea, eliminated our debt he set us up in the best possible position but we still could have been down the drain if we'd gotten a bad owner but he vetted these guys they've poured money into the club they've clearly shown intention the todd father is showing up to every single game now unfortunately maybe that's an unlucky charm but i'm just going to trust the management right now i'm going to trust the board i'm going to trust the owners and i'm going to say you know what You've poured a ton of money into the squad, manage us how you like, but I need to see significant improvements by the end of the season. Because I think once we decide who we want to have managing next season, they need a full preseason to get ready. I think that's very
0: valid from both of you. And I'm going to try to compose my response here because I want to have my say, but it's a lot of emotion trying to go through this and figure out what's the best way to describe what's going on. So I think I'll start with the managerial change. I think even if Graham Potter was to be relieved of his duties, I find it difficult to see who's on the market that is of the caliber we'd want for the long-term project because I think having a stopgap is kind of getting old now for Chelsea Football Club. And to the point that you guys have made, Alex and Rahul, if we're buying players as more of a boardroom style where people sit down and discuss on it, it's going to be hard to just bring manager after manager after manager. You want somebody who's there for the long-term part of this boardroom that develops this team together and kind of goes from there if we move on and talk about Graham Potter individually I think results are not good enough long story short I started this episode talking about how many players from the Southampton team are going to get into the Chelsea team and the answer is none which means at the very least Graham Potter should be getting a win in this game I don't see any two ways about it and so from that point I'm I'm utterly disappointed I think one more thing that's very important to note and Alex I think you phrased it very well is a lot of the previous managers have had maybe that bravado or that arrogance is probably the right word where they walk into a room and these guys who have big egos can say, okay, I've got a Jose here. He'll straighten me up. Or it's a Pep Guardiola. I think I know what he's expecting for me for me to be on that pitch. I think that's where my biggest frustration and I have to learn to deal with it is that with Graham Potter, I find myself getting a little numb towards the results which is a bad thing like i lose and i go well chelsea's lost it is what it is i never want to be in that situation i used to be and rahul you've seen this we would watch matches together where we would scream at the television throw off some colorful words and now i'm sitting there going yeah we lost or my wife wakes up after i've watched a 6 30 morning game and she goes what happened i go yeah i woke up early watched the game lost and she's like how do you feel i was like Let's just get on with our day. And that's not me. That's not who I am as a person. I'm usually very passionate about Chelsea games. And I think that's what I want to see from Potter. But maybe that's not what's going to happen. And I'm hoping that he's going to be able to motivate these Chelsea players because they don't want to be like me, flat and de-energized. And finally, to the owners, I think fantastic, fair play. What they're doing is absolutely brilliant. But maybe the speed at which they've invested and brought in so many players is also throwing a wrench into the mix of this. So... Ultimately, guys, it's painful, but I think we're going to stick it out with Graham Potter. I think from a clear out in the summer to maybe a few more players that he will add that will help move things along. And maybe if it's some players that you look at and they have a bad attitude, that's really all you can say at this point in time and say, look, we've got to make changes and stick with the man and hopefully give him another year. And if not, like you said, by the end of the season, you guys, you guys can judge him and we can figure out what the next steps are. Well, I see you smiling, so I'll bring you in for a quick word.
2: Yeah, I, the only thing, guys, is at the end of this game, we heard boos at Stamford Bridge, right? And for everything good that the owners have done so far in terms of players, there's one blip or one, you know, dark spot on their record is is the Thomas Tuchel firing. And I think most fans understand why it was happened. Most fans don't understand and want him to come back. Uh, but when you let a fan-favorite manager go, and I think the three of us spoke about Frank Lampard maybe two years ago at this point and we said Frank Lampard for the three of us was someone that we didn't want to see be fired right and then Thomas Tuchel came in and the way he handled that situation and and, and I'm not trying to like live in the past but I'm just making a comparison here was he came in and basically said yeah I understand Frank Lampard was a fan favorite but I'm here to be my own person be my own manager show the fans why I was brought in and of course, winning the Champions League helps. But even without that Champions League, guys, I mean, even the run we went on in that Champions League and, and the Premier League that season, within a month, were we even thinking about Frank Lampard? And here we are four, five, six months later. We're still thinking about Tuchel. We're talking about Jose Mourinho. Uh, so I think that's where the owners, Potter, need to do a little bit better in the sense that let's just do what it takes to get the fans on the side. Yes, right. new players will come in and, and everyone will be like, yeah, Joe Felix, Enzo, whatever it is. But if the results aren't happening on the pitch, fans are going to be toxic. Fans are going to be vocal. Fans are going to want Potter to leave. And that makes his job that much more difficult because each passing game, like you said, Jackie, you're kind of getting numb to the results. Yeah, And you don't want that within the fan base where it's like, all right, another defeat. It's going to get to a point where it's not going to be acceptable. People are not going to be numb to it, and that's where the uproar is going to happen. Where yep. it's not going to be looking good for the fan, for the for the owners and, and Potter. And we want to not get to that point where some of you've seen some of the other fan bases where there's you know people outside the stadium calling for owners to be to go and all of that. So I think there needs to be internal meetings. There needs to be thought, talks. There needs to be talks amongst Potter, the players, the owners, as to. What just open conversation? What needs yeah. to happen to get this right? Because we now go into Tottenham away, and it would be the <laughs> most Chelsea thing to go Tottenham away and win. Uh, but I also have no faith because I'm like, well, I'm fully expecting us to go there and Tottenham to give us a tough fight, to give us a a London derby atmosphere, and we'll just crumble and we'll be like, all right, well, that's another weekend ruined. So my message to the fans would be like, yes, let's just stick it out. But I think the club and and Potter himself needs to do whatever it takes to get a result. And it doesn't get any bigger than than beating Tottenham and maybe getting a few people back on site.
0: Well said. And I think Rahul, it's a marketing game here as well. We have got American owners that are very good at marketing and doing things. I think poor Graham Potter, maybe it's the only time we'll say it, but poor Graham Potter, he's the only one taking all the brunt, like you guys have said, where he's the face of everything that's going on. Maybe it does take it for the American owners to come out with a marketing strategy and say, because of X, Y, Z, he's going to be given time or because of X, Y, Z results are not going this way or because of something to help the man along. But that's really all we can say about it. Guys, we lost to the bottom table of the Premier League. Things are not looking good, but we'll move on and talk about some other results. Before I do that, I just want to say we did hear some sad news that Christian Atsu had passed away in the, I think it's the earthquakes that happened in Turkey. And so for that, we never really got to see him play in a Chelsea shirt, but we did see him in a Ghana shirt and he played a bit for Everton and Newcastle. So Rest in peace. I've heard many good things on, online about him being just a fantastic human being, and there's a lot of turmoil going on there due to the earthquake. So for everybody out there suffering, we hear you. We're sorry. But whatever you guys can do to help, please do. But for Christian Atsu, rest in peace, and hopefully we can get over some of the negative news in the world that's going on around this. Guys, I want to talk about some of the other results in and around the Premier League, Let's talk about Arsenal, and I like talking about Arsenal because it gets Alex fired up every time I talk about Arsenal. The last episode, Alex said, no chance, Manchester City are coming back to win this league. Alex, I'll come to you. 4-2 away at Aston Villa, Emmy Martinez and Jorginho, I guess, assisted each other to get a goal there. But what are you making of Arsenal? Do you, do you still stand by the fact that City are going to come back and, and take them over?
1: I still think they're going to bottle it. Maybe it's wishful thinking. I still think they're going to bottle it. <laughs> um you know congrats they're keeping it interesting manchester united are now three points behind manchester city arsenal have more than one person to worry about at this point there's still many games to go um yeah london is one color and that color is not red it's not white it's blue (laughs) so i'm not too concerned even if they do win i think it'll trick their fan base into thinking they're a big club again (laughs) um you know congratulations you have a couple decent players. You have finally replaced a decent midfielder with an accented o in his name. Congratulations. <laughs> You're not back. You've got a couple young talents. Chelsea has been pumping out so many young talents that we have to send them to like the Ecuadorian league to ruin their careers <laughs> many star boys. So, you know, let them have their fun. I'm not even that bothered to be honest. They can if they win, they'll have false confidence. If they don't win, I'll laugh at them. Enjoy it, Arsenal fans.
0: And You've heard it here first, so hopefully they don't get to win the league. But Rahul, I'll come back to you. Is Potter the new Arteta? Do you think Potter is going to be able to mimic what Arteta is doing? Just a quick word on that.
2: I certainly hope so, but <laughs> I, I don't know at this point. I, I really don't know. But hey, look, Arteta got, got the time. And I think you and I, when we started the podcast two years ago, a little bit over two years ago, we're like, Arteta has to go. He can't do it. He's gonna get them relegated. Yeah, I think even Alex <laughs> predicted they would get relegated at yeah. one point. So um, we're headed for that ourselves. So I don't know. Maybe in, a, in three years' time, we'll be we'll be fighting for for the title. But look, I think coming to Arsenal, it's credit to them losing to City over the over midweek coming to this game and being two down in the first half and and rallying back right at the end with um, Jorginho getting getting a a really sweet hit right there that you know bounces off of emmy martinez and goes in and then uh martinelli gets the fourth goal but these are the moments i think where as a squad you look at it and you say we re-rose above it we came out of it we fought back together uh and i think that's kind of what chelsea needs right now because there's a lot of individuals that need to function together uh and yes i get arsenal have had the squad together for for a long time but Maybe we just need to have a comeback win somewhere and, and get get the boys going. But credit to Arsenal, I think they're going, definitely going to make it interesting. And City themselves are making interesting because they don't follow up with beating
0: Arsenal. And that's the funny thing in the next result I want to go to, which is City versus Nottingham 1-1. Rahul Erling Holland missed quite a few sitters there in that game and could have been the difference between where they are now and maybe top of the league. I mean, he, he just doesn't
2: perform against teams that have won the European Cup, is all I'm <laughs> going to say.
0: So you've shifted your narrative. Alex, we would kill for someone like Erling Haaland, but it seems like Manchester City are not quite the same Manchester City they have been in past seasons, but still second, still a lot to play for. What do you make of the 1-1 result? Is it just up and down season for them, or do you think they're going to overcome this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to look at what they've done over recent seasons and say, we almost took that for granted. I mean, Pep himself has said, yeah, sometimes it's hard to motivate players when you've won the league. What is it? Four out of the last five seasons or is it four out of the last five? I believe so. Yeah. Three out of the last four whatever. If it's four, I mean, they just, they keep winning. They're a machine. Yeah. We can make fun of them, not winning the, the champions league, but at the end of the day, He's turned them into a really formidable team that even this year, which has been seen as almost an off year and Arsenal's been grabbing all the headlines, they're completely within striking distance of the title. Um, So at the end of the day, I think people have just had the bar set so high mentally, thanks to City, that... City even being in a race at all is seen as crazy because usually they're just running away with it in in recent years. So at a certain level, I think this is what a competitive Prem should look like. Even the best teams, even Guardiola's well-oiled Manchester City can lose games, can give up points, um, isn't going to just be sitting in first place for the vast majority of the season and staying there. I think this is what a competitive Premier League top of the table should look like. It's unfortunate that Chelsea aren't up there with them at the moment, but I don't mind it. I like it, and I still think they're going to come from behind and snag it, but we'll see.
0: Wouldn't that be a wonderful Premier League season to watch? But look,
1: you're right. The Premier League is
0: one of the best leagues in the world, if not the best league in the world, and it just keeps getting better. Rahul, Liverpool also struggling like Chelsea this season, but maybe not to the same level. They find a way to beat Newcastle 2-0.
2: Yeah, that that was definitely a surprising result because Newcastle have been—I mean, they recently haven't been—but this season they've been they've been flying. I think at home they certainly are a different outfit than we've seen uh, in the last few years. But Liverpool again—that's one where you know Klopp has the credit in the bank, and he's he's had some tough results this season, but he's gotten it right in the last two, and I think. I still have a feeling they sneak back into that top four because they have games in hand. They have the points on the board. They have players coming back from injury. Darwin Nunes is even scoring now, so <laughs> that tells you everything that you need to know. But uh, I think they may squeeze back in, and that's going to be credit again to to Klopp for getting the most out of the minimum amount of resources that he seems yep. to have due to injury, due to lack of transfers. Uh, so you got to give him credit.
0: Indeed, and one thing I want to talk about is Nick Pope gets a red card, which will rule him out of the final, which is important because the next team they're playing is Manchester United, and Manchester United beat Leicester 3-0 very comfortably. Alex, I want to talk about Marcus Rashford. I think it's important to give a little bit of light there. He was basically out the door last season. PSG were coming for him. He was borderline poor, a lot of complaints. But this season, especially after the World Cup, he's a man on fire and he's been scoring pretty much every game for Manchester United.
1: Yeah. I mean, Rashford for me is the perfect example of why when you see talent and you know, the talent is there, you have to sometimes be pretty patient because especially somewhere like Manchester United, where they've say brought in a Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, It's as big a name as you can get. Proven goal scorer. He's done it in the Premier League. And in fairness, he wasn't even bad for Manchester United. He was putting goals in. He was scoring. But it didn't quite work out the way they were looking for it to work out. The team as a whole seemed to decline a little bit. And at at a certain point, you've, you've tried the big names. You've spent a ton of money. If you're not getting the results you need, you sometimes have to say, look, okay, we do have this talent here. And Chelsea have seen that a few times with players having a little bit of a revival i mean loftus cheek comes to mind maybe to a lesser extent perhaps but he's one who has been almost out the door a bunch of times and then suddenly he'll come in impact a game and we're like wow we we still did have him i mean he's got his talent even if he's not quite performing every single game you've got to appreciate the players who are depth players at a certain point because rashford now has gone from being a depth player who was off and on and didn't know if his future still lay there i mean now he's undroppable so credit to manchester united i suppose for keeping him at the club and and seeing his potential and not letting him go easy um but yeah it's i just wish one of our players would hit a a little run of form like that because boy could we use it wouldn't that be absolutely lovely to have somebody get a couple of goals and get us a
0: few more points but want to wrap it up, but before I do, Rahul, I'll pass it to you. Manchester United are up for sale. Maybe we'll talk more about it in another episode. A couple of bids coming in, one from Sir Jim Ratcliffe and one from some Qatari ownership. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. The Premier League is the best league in the world, and we're seeing it here with more and more investment. The guys, it's going to get harder to win the Premier League as these teams get heavily funded. But Rahul, I'll pass it over to you for final thoughts and closing up.
2: Yeah, I mean, Rashford, is a, is a, I think, is a great example. And Manchester United in general, I think, is a great example for us uh, as Chelsea fans. Last year, they were struggling, fired Solskjaer, brought in uh Wreck-It ralph uh, <laughs> midway through the season and, and still struggle. So it, it shows you that when you have the right manager, you have the right players, everyone's pulling in the right direction, things can can work out. And hopefully that's the case for us at some point this season, if not next season. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chelsea, And as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back with a new episode re- uh, previewing Tottenham away. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels.
0: Hey, guys. The Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code, TPCOFFEE15, to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.